Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of all marketing school certification. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Hello team and welcome back to the Make an Impact Show. It's Fab here and I'm very excited to be back with you to have yet another repeater on the podcast. It looks like people are so eager to come back and obviously we're going to welcome them because our peeps are awesome. And one of these awesome peeps is the incredible Nikki Webster, which you are going to get introduced or reintroduced today, depending on whether you remember our first episode with her and Bettina Campolucci-Bordi. Nevertheless, who's Nikki? Well, Nikki is an award-winning blonder, a cookbook author and a podcast host. And this is just among some of the things... Nikki has written four cookbooks at the time of recording and goodness knows if she's ever going to stop. She is a plant-based aficionado and she is incredible when it comes to the understanding of delivering the message of eating more plants and becoming friends with vegetables and obviously hummus as well. In our chat today, we talk about a variety of things and we really focus on her journey, not just as a blogger, but especially as a cookbook author. Also understanding how to balance and juggle the different elements of creativity and structure and some of the lessons that she has learned from publishing her books. We also have a couple of spicy members only episodes, questions which you will be able to find if you are a Creative Impact Collective member in our podcast after party where we talk about strategies to create a successful blog and also a timeline on how to promote your next book. If you're not a member, then what are you waiting for? First and foremost. And secondly, come and join us at creativeimpact.group slash collective to listen to all our podcast after parties for some of the incredible guests we have had on the podcast. Our members choose the questions and then we upvote the best ones and ask them to our guests. But before that, let's hear it from Nikki again where we're going to talk about all things food, plants, books, and so much more. Good day, everyone. Good day, Nikki. Hi. Long time no speak. I know, it's been too long. I know, it has been. Yeah. If you want to hear us talking again as well, I was thinking you are the second person in the season that we have for our... For a comeback, a throwback comeback. So mm, that's cool. 
It is really exciting. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you. No, thank you for being back. I'm I'm super excited about it. I was, you know, I think for the last time we had a comeback throwback. I actually had to change the last question, but I might actually keep it the same for you because it's a foodie mm-hmm. question. So I think it can always yeah. evolve. But we'll see. I'm not going to run far too much ahead, <laughs> as she usually does. I'm actually going to warm us up. Or scare me. Not that we need it. But <laughs> I've got three questions for you, yeah. Nikki. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, we're going to start out the right way, right? So my first question for you, which I'm actually interested in seeing the answer for, would be, Nikki, what would be a trivia category you'd be really good at and why? <sighs> okay, I've got a lot of knowledge about, um, this is a really random one. I don't know even if this is a category in trivia. There's a few, actually. A few trivia categories I can name. I know a lot about witches and witch trials. Love it. And also, I'm, I'm, I used to be quite obsessed with sort of um, Greek and Roman history, because I did classics A-level, so I know quite a lot about those topics as well. There you go. I love it. A little history buff that we didn't know about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I need to ask you, why witch trials? I mean, I love it, but... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've got, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to read too much into it, but I've always been really fascinated with um, just uh, the whole history of, um, yeah, that period of the persecution of these poor ladies um, and all the witch trials and things. So I've read all sorts of books about that subject. I don't know if, if you if you believe in, you know, past lives or something, maybe there's some connection there. I don't know. But uh, it's always, always been very fascinating to me. I love it. It's like, well, I'm going to go with the magical connection as well. That's how I'm going to say it. It's the, magic, yeah. the everyday magic that you bring in with food. See? You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Healing, you know, there's something. I love it. My second question, <laughs> which is, I'm almost equally excited. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard to top up the witch trials, but I'm almost yeah. as equally excited. I want to know what is, I'm going to go back in time, the first job that you had and what did you learn from it? I had an awful lot of really weird sort of part-time jobs when I was a, when I was a teenager. I think my sort of first and probably longest standing was um, I was actually worked at a market on a market stall. So I worked for a guy who's from Liverpool. It's called Noel, and it was um, it was an outdoor market, but it was the indoor bit, and he sold all sorts of um, odds and ends and pads and pens and things like that. And yeah, I worked there every single Sunday for about five years from about. 13 so um uh yes it was great I mean he taught me many things one was amazing mental arithmetic not that I have got mental arithmetic but I didn't but it was all sort of like added up like the random numbers so that was that was quite a good skill and um yeah I don't know really probably enabled me to be I was really really shy when I was younger so I think just having that sort of like face-to-face sort of you know random person contact probably taught me a lot as well I love that I can see that especially when it comes to kind of working in the market so doing these kind of like smaller jobs that I think these days I don't know how much teenager we actually inclined to do them as much because they don't come as often and people may feel like ah but they teach you so much as you say especially about, about being around people and actually getting comfortable with talking to strangers which I don't know if you feel the same but I do believe that with age not all of us but most of us actually lose a bit of that kind of shyness and like stuntness obviously you have you have to especially when you are in the businesses that we are in because you are talking to people connecting with people is not just for obviously in your case your food there's also an extra element of being able to present yourself but I think it comes a bit with age and practice I think everybody believes that 
if you are a creator, if you are creative, therefore you're the most extroverted person in the world. And it's definitely not the case. That's what I've seen. I, I, I completely agree. And, and, and I've, um, and also, especially in the last couple of years, because I feel like I've been sort of, you know, more hermity than ever, really. You know, I've just been sort of, you know, in my house, in my kitchen, kind of sort of, you know, beavering away. And, and a lot of the face-to-face stuff that I was doing, I've kind of stopped, really. I'm just starting to do, you know, some more workshops and things now. But you do lose confidence. And, you know, and also before I was, you know, in London every five minutes and now I'm back in Shropshire. And so I can't be, you know, sort of popping to London like an hour an hour away. So, yeah, I've I've lost a bit of confidence. I can totally tell. So you do forget those skills of interacting. I think it comes back, doesn't it? You know, if you if you start interacting and seeing people again. But I don't know. I could, I totally get why people. Lots of people are saying that people have, you know, lost some confidence over this year. Yeah, I get it. But hopefully, working on the market and all the random jobs I did as a teenager, um, it's all there somewhere waiting to come out. I hope. You said it though. It's true. I think we all have lost not lost necessarily, but we need to kind of reacquaint ourselves with some of the social skills that we kind of took for granted. And yeah, no, I agree. I think also like, again, I know that we, we speak about like slightly similar uh, jobs and slightly similar positions, but also just the energy that you expand when you either talk to people or even you were talking about obviously coming into London or, or traveling, all of these energies that we kind of almost our body took for granted or we kind of didn't realize actually how draining it was. I mean, I have a couple of questions actually about misconceptions about especially cookbooks and writing cookbooks and doing recipes. And it kind of goes back to this idea that we always underestimate how much energy some of these tasks take and especially just going out and traveling and seeing people and taking a whole day into London. I think I definitely had forgotten that when I couldn't do it anymore for a very long time. Oh, I I completely I completely agree. And and I think my sort of I'm completely fine and I do and I love people and I love seeing people and but honestly I also really like just spending time on my own in the kitchen and you know and and not sometimes not interacting very much oh, of course I'm always interacting online and always having chats and always whatsapps and so you know I'm not I'm not completely alone but you know I, I for me I really do need quite a lot of yeah sort of just time to sort of like think and I don't think I even realized that as much actually I just sort of thought that I was this sort of super sociable person that was always wanting to do things and never stopped and all you know always said yes to all of this stuff and it really has you know given me the opportunity to step back and go actually I don't think I am really like that at all I do I do love spending time on my own and yeah it is exhausting especially when you know you're constantly having to think and perform and to you know manage situations and and to direct you know a meeting or you know all the lot of stuff that I'm sure you're doing all the time it, it is it is it is draining isn't it it is exhausting to do it well anyway my last icebreaker yeah. question before potentially we yeah. go back to all these energies that we're talking about is what does making an impact mean to you Nikki Webster oh that's a good one making an impact uh, well, I personally just, I I, I feel surprised and honoured that if I can make an impact on anyone, honestly, um, and that's, I think, one of the, the biggest privileges that I have been given that, you know, that people cook my recipes and books and cook for my books in their houses. And for me, that feels like a huge impact for, you know, for, for someone to actually take the time and energy and effort to invest in getting ingredients and and actually you know cooking something 
that seems like a big impact to me. Um, however, I also feel a responsibility and maybe more so now. And again, that's kind of linked to how much energy and time I've got to do things which I think may make more of an impact, if that makes sense. So, you know, I think there's there's important issues out there and things that, you know, I would like to talk about more. But I'm always kind of balancing that with sort of just trying to get my everyday job done and having just time to sort of exist. So, yeah, so I feel so, yeah, in answer, I think that, you know, I'm I feel like hopefully I am having a little bit of an impact on people's lives, um, helping them you know have some lovely, healthy, tasty, delicious plant based food. But I also feel like a, a responsibility that maybe I could in some way help more. I love that. And as you said, we even sometimes we forget that even just the food, the choices that we make when it comes to our food or the food that we make, or, you know, it's almost that reminder that everything we do actually has an impact on others, but also on, on the world and the planet, which obviously is a big thing, especially with some of the books they've published, especially the ones that are more aimed at teenagers and younger people, I think is actually a very clever way to go about it, not just from a, obviously from a business perspective or from actually decided to to talk to maybe an audience that kind of doesn't doesn't get targeted properly as much when it comes to yes you want to be plant-based especially when you're younger these are fun ways to make it work for yourself which i think is really good but it's also an element of just you know helping them widening their impact instead of talking to the people that maybe are already plant-based or vegan or have a more vegan approach and actually talking to the younger people that you know, from if you haven't seen Nikki's books, I recommend checking them out. And especially those have a very different branding and feeling and vibe. And I know the branding is a big thing for you as well. Then some of the others, like your Rebel Recipes one is my fave because I use it all the time. But that's more adult. That's got, you know, recipes that I know you and I've known Nikki for a long time, dear listener. So I know what I'm talking about. And that's more you in that way. Whereas I find that the other books almost have a different side of you but also because they've been carefully um, tailored and also like you know aimed at a different type of audience so I don't know if you could share a bit a bit more about that because I find it really interesting and it's almost like well you know cookbooks especially plant-based and vegan now feels like such a saturated market and it's like how did it come this idea to niche down was it organic was it a light bulb was it something that you thought of or something you discussed with your publishers because it's really interesting yeah, so uh, I mean, the, the whole you know cookbook publishing thing is just unbelievably intriguing. Anyway, and also I've now got four publishers, so that you know that sort of complicates things. But for those two particular books, um, the young adult books, they the the first book was um, Wellbeck, who are a, a young adult children's book publisher, and they and so um, Be More Vegan was was their idea. You know, they identified that. There was really nothing in the market that um, talked and helped young adults when they were considering going vegan. And not from any way, not from a preachy perspective or a sort of in, in any way dogmatic, just a here is some accessible, correct sort of information, but in a very friendly way, you know, that's and also to you know reassure parents of young adults that were considering going vegan you know, how to do it helpfully. So I was like, immediately, I was like, well, that's amazing. Because for me, just, you know, relating to my own personal experience of someone that has pretty much been, you know, vegan or vegetarian for my whole life, um, and didn't in any way know how to do that healthily. My mum certainly didn't know how to do it, but I was kind of just like refusing to eat meat. Um, and I had this dairy intolerance. So, you know, 
that resource would have been amazing for me when I was growing up. So I was just like, yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. It's you know, it's got to be got to be something that that would hopefully be useful to people because how on earth do you do this in a you know in a sensible healthy way when you're when you're still young and growing and developing and haven't necessarily got the all the information to hand in one place or really the ability you know you're not an adult you're not necessarily you haven't got your own shopping budget you know there's all, all these things to think about and yeah and just to reassure parents you know that you know, here's all the information so that's how the first one happened and then my vegan year was my idea you know after the first one I was in discussions with my publisher about you know doing some additional books and um and I of course um you know in my normal cooking, my adult cooking, I use loads of seasonal ingredients and that's, you know, seasonal organic and those things are really important to me. So I thought it would be really lovely to bring in that sort of seasonal aspect. And, um, and but again, trying to be as helpful as possible. So, you know, what, what are young adults and sort of families interested in? Obviously, all the events like Christmas and, you know, birthdays and summer and just sort of covering all those bases. So, you know, if you're if you're vegan looking to be more plant based, you know, sometimes vegan, how can you, you know, how can I be helpful and, and cover off those bases as well? But whilst still feeding in some sort of educational pieces around sort of seasonality and talking about maybe experimenting with growing your own vegetables and herbs and things like that but again in a it's like friendly accessible way how much of actually talking and getting the feedback directly from the young adults and and like the young audiences do you tap into when it comes to this because as you say you found that balance between the educational piece but also kind of knowing what they were looking for they will get excited about Again, is it something that you did from the beginning? Is it something that you did at all? Is it something that you did as, as you, again, you explored the other book? Because I found it really fascinating when it comes to hitting, as you say, is a different type of talking about the subject and making them excited about it as well. Yeah, I just did as much research as I was possible. Obviously, I mean, I, I haven't got kids, but I have got two nieces and a nephew. And lo- most of my friends have got kind of teenage kids. So I was just badgering them to death, basically and hounding them and seeing what's what they're what they're interested in and they're all really different so I think it was quite a good broad you know good spectrum of of you know some of them had zero interest in food or veganism and you know some were, were way more interested but for but for my vegan year I was actually living at my sister's house so I was actually I was living with with two teenage girls and a teenage boy so every day I was getting direct feedback about these recipes so that was invaluable and my, and oh my goodness you know they did not hold back you know they th- there was not a time when they were going oh yes auntie nikki that's that's lovely they were going oh, you know so so i tested the recipes so many times and yeah i just think it made it way way more you know teenage and family friendly actually because you know i will would and would always do research but it's much more about you know sort of asking asking people and friends and and, and people that would get engaging with me online but to actually have you know, actually live with these teenagers that was very that was very helpful it just makes me laugh the idea that it's like yep it's gonna be absolutely unfiltered if they love it they love it if they don't they don't and i i think there's a lot of misconceptions and you said it as well like you know also having to like test the recipes and i believe that still even if there's a lot more open conversations around 
you know, the business of cookbooks and actually of, of, you know, producing the recipes and coming up with the ideas, I think there's still a bit of a misconception coming from the old days, dear listener, because we are indeed seasoned creators and businesses. But, you know, if, if Nikki will indulge me with the memory lane, I've known Nikki for a long time. And I think when we got to know each other, the blogger concept was really where the strength of the creator was. And there was still a big misconception about you being a blogger, what that meant. And it's almost like the imagination that I'm going to go a bit wild here, but, you know, you feel like it's not the same quality as you will get, for example, for a recipe that you get from a chef or from another type of cookbook. And I've I've eaten Nikki's food. I've eaten also Bettina's food, which we did the podcast first with, just as two random examples. But I've eaten so much food from so many incredible bloggers that now are authors as well. But at the time, because of the accolade, they would be like, ah... It's not the same, and I think it's a big, big misconception, a misunderstanding about actually the amount of work and the research that goes into what you make and how you make it. And aside from how you feel about that, which is obviously part of the question, but and what is your experience when it comes to the growth of the industry in general? I was also wondering if there's any other misconceptions that you can think of when it comes to, to this, whether it's just the, the publishing of cookbooks or coming up with recipes, because I believe there's a lot that still... Is like the old way that we kind of need to change our mindset around? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, firstly, I think that the whole of, um, I suppose, I suppose, well, I don't know. I think different sectors are going to see this differently. From a, from a publishing perspective, clearly being able to demonstrate that you've got an audience, so a blog or an Instagram channel or, you know, or YouTube or whatever, that, that's, that's incredibly um, important. And probably, so I think maybe some of the old, um, the older perspectives of not taking you so seriously as a sort of cook, chef, foodie has kind of been eroded because I think now if you have that level of of audience, that then that re- sort of a sort of, that basically gives you so much more credibility and a proven track record because if people are genuinely engaging with you, cooking with your recipes, you know that is basically what the publisher is is, is wanting to see. That doesn't, and I, I don't think that necessarily means that you know, a Michelin star chef or, you know, someone who's been a professional chef for years, whether they're going to think that, you know, I am as, as you know, a pro cook. Well, because I'm not. I am, you know, a self-taught home cook. But I have been cooking for years now and and not just, you know, in my kitchen. I've done, lo- I've done lots of work as a, you know, retreat chef. And, you know, that's, you know, it, it doesn't mean that I'm a, you know, a professionally trained chef, but my goodness, it's definitely being a chef because, you know, and it's re- and it's hard work. And yeah, you know, I've I've created, must be thousands of recipes, thousands, as, as I'm sure lots of my, you know, blogging bloggers peers have as well. I mean, that gives you a lot of experience and also doing client work because you are responding to a very specific brief all the time. So, you know, you're, you know, I'm doing, I'm, you know, so I'm, so the kind of recipe I'm making, I've got, a, you know, there's so, so many different audiences. I've got my, my cookbook stuff. I've got my normal everyday, this is what I eat kind of blogging stuff, Instagram stuff. And then, you know, there's sort of the collab and, and client work or recipe development, you know, that doesn't go on my, my sites, but that could be something very, very, very specific for that client. So yeah, I think that gives you loads of experience. So I would, I would certainly hope that, you know, those, those, perceptions of maybe you know 10 years ago of a blogger just just literally just making some breakfasts and some I don't know some salads and stuff and not really being able to cook I hope I hope they've been they've been challenged a bit more now 
because it's tough. I mean, any any content creator is like you're you're like a mini marketing agency, really, aren't you? You're you're like a mini content agency, and you know your your work has to be good, whether that's recipe development or photography or dealing with a client or you know it has to be such a good standard these days that if if it wasn't measuring up I don't think you'd you would really be there still what do you think it goes back beautifully what you just said to the question that I said at the beginning I was like I want to explore this in a minute and we're gonna go back to it which was time and un- underestimating or learning from experience when it comes to time that it takes to do things. And I'm the first one to have this issue. I still have this bug when I'm like, yeah, it's going to take me half an hour. Six yeah. hours later, I'm like, what? Why? And I, I remember uh, from a, a third-hand experience, I'll say, but somebody, um, somebody sharing, actually Amy used to work for yeah. us and sharing that they were helping you with a book. And she didn't realize when, when was, I think maybe the first cookbook or one of your cookbooks, how long it takes to create, test, and shoot the yeah. recipes, especially for the book itself. And obviously, <clears throat> needless to say, Nikki's imagery is, is impeccable. So it makes sense. But I remember she was like, I, I wasn't, you know, it was the first time she did it and she wasn't expecting it to be that much. And I was, I think these are the things where you're like, oh yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to that. So I was wondering whether, you know, there was something from, let's go back to the first book. Is there anything that you had as a misconception or that you underestimated or even that you learned from writing your first cookbook and going through that process that now you know that before you were like, wow, that's how it works. So that's how long it takes. So I was wondering what were some of the lessons from that first book? So going back. Yeah, yeah, it is going back a little bit now. Well, I mean, I think that when you're doing your first cookbook, I mean, it, it, you, you've literally got no clue what's happening at all. I mean, I mean, I, I had a lovely publisher, so they were, you know, so my editor was, you know, explaining the process as, as we went along and, you know, being, being really helpful. But now you've got, you, because you, you, you've got, this, there's like no basis of, of, you know, no structure. So you, you, you literally working in the dark. And for that first book, I had quite a long time. So it was, it was incredibly hard to prioritize and plan and say, you know, this is how long it's going to take to test the recipe two, three, you know, times and then do test shots. And so, yeah, that was, yeah, it was, I mean, it was amazing, but it was, but it was very difficult. And I had, I was in an amazing position for the first book that I also had, you know, a home economist that tested the recipe twice, the recipes twice after I tested them. And then I had a, you know, a a shoot. So I was styling. Yeah, Amy was helping out as many people were cooking all the food. And and that was like, that was a bit of a bigger production. For the subsequent books, I've kind of been like a a one person, you know, doing everything. And that is, um, but that first cookbook has therefore given me such an amazing basis of knowledge and information and i'm and i'm kind of like the spreadsheet queen so for all of my you know subsequent cookbooks i've just got these enormous spreadsheet excel documents and it's it's literally it's color coded and timed within an inch of its life so that that's basically how I plan everything and I'm constantly every day I'm sort of like moving things over there's like there's like six columns per recipe in terms of test one test two imagery have I done the recipe have I done the intro have I done the final check and that's that's how I'll go through the sort of I don't know like the six month period that's what I'm doing and also in batches so I'm actually writing another book so I've got a submission tomorrow and that's it's a bigger book so I'm I'm sending a third in tomorrow so I'm I'm 
so after we you know after we speak today I'm sort of half you know nearly at the end of my spreadsheet for the first section but for me that's the only way I can do it It, you know I I think maybe other people have different different processes I think because of my sort of old you know marketing background where I was project managing all these you know so many projects all the time it helps it helps so that's just how my brain works but I've got all these other elements now because I'm, you know, I'm doing everything. I'm doing the, I'm doing the writing. I'm doing the testing. I'm doing, well, obviously the concepts first and then coming up with the recipe and then the, the concept recipe. And then I'm testing the recipe a number of times. And then I'm doing the photography, the first shoot. I do two sheets for each one. So it's, it's a big process. It is a big process. But I kind of like these big projects, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it breaks it down in a different way, I think, as well, which is really clever because, again, it kind of explains the magnitude of it as well. And also, big love for spreadsheets. Like, it was like marketing background. I'm like, yes, both marketing background. We're like, yes. That is true. I think, you know, in a way, you're tracking what you're doing and you're tracking, you know, as you say, also what you're going through. And even if it's testing recipes, I think it's, it's, it's hard for some creative people. And I know that we have also a different streak. But I appreciate yeah. that for a lot of creative people, especially foodies, I understand that it can be hard to find some structure when it comes to also the fun of their creative element. It's almost understanding... What are the elements of my day-to-day that I can add structure in so that when I'm in the kitchen, I can free-throw like a mofo? And it's funny as well, I'm going to say, because I watch. this is my claim. I watch Bake Off, so I know about baking. But bear yeah. with me. What I learned about it, yeah. <laughs> I know that I don't know a lot about baking. I'm not bad, but for example, I'm a better cook than a baker because I like to experiment and I hate to go for exact measurements. And this is a, such a skill mm-hmm. and you feel like, well, but people that such attention to details and things but it's because you're in your element and I find it can be really hard to when you're pulling yourself out from the kitchen or your element to be like actually I need the structure because you want to go with the free flow so I love that you mentioned that because I think it's a great reminder of in the day-to-day can you find elements of structure to help you not just when you're writing a book but if whether it's uploading content or coming out with recipes ideas because I mean I don't know if you ever had actually I'm going to ask you now if the creative well ever stopped to flow it happens though and I think it's important to understand what can we do when the creativity stopped and you know that it can't stop for that long you feel like okay well, when am I going to get it back is there anything that you do is there anything that helps when it comes to this yeah I mean I think I've usually got plenty of ideas that doesn't necessarily mean I know how to cook them but the idea is there oh yeah but yeah I don't know I'm going to have to a different way I mean just, just talking about your, the structure though I mean I split my day up into completely different sections um, and I have to try and be really strict with that so you know I'll try I mean I did it this morning but but anyway I tried to kind of like wake up and like do some exercise and then I'll, I'll get all sort of get organized and then I try and sort of cook from I don't know like 10 until I don't know probably three now um because that's you know when it's light and you know just have to utilize those sort of you know light cooking hours um and then i'll and then i'll basically do some social media posting and then in the evening because but this is what you have to do when you have a book you literally have to work all well i I have to anyway i have to work all the time and then in the evening i write up recipes and do research and and stuff that i can kind of do when i'm sort of like you know watching netflix at the same time or something but you know, it's not taking my full attention, but I can kind of do it at the same time. It's a really good time to like think of ideas and just look on sites and, and, and get some inspiration. In terms of, yeah, in terms of inspiration, the thing that I have to watch out is because I get completely obsessed with certain things and then I just want to cook those things all the time. 
Um, so again, that's why sort of creating content and doing things for different briefs and, and books is, you know, you have you have to do completely different content. Because yeah, if it was if it was me, I'm basically going to eat hummus and beans all the time, and I'll give like I'll give people like a thousand versions of that because I'm just like it's just but it's just so yummy. Um, but you know, I, I I won't do that because well I will, but I have to be a bit stricter with myself. Talking about yummy, I have yeah. a quick fire question. Talking about yummy, mm-hmm. what is a food that means happiness to you? Oh, hummus and wine counts as food, I guess. Yeah. No, bread, bread and hummus. I mean, bread and hummus, definitely. Okay, then I'm going to ask you, what would you pair the wine with? Ha, you're not escaping from the food. Uh, no, but I said bread and hummus. Ah, um, oh, okay, sorry, yeah, yeah. Bread right. and hummus. You know, some really amazing fresh bread and, and flatbread and hummus. That, that just makes me happy. And even though it's really simple, it just always makes me happy. Yeah, what else? Is there a variety of hummus that you kind of like? You like, you know, because obviously you can play with flavours and I think that's so much fun. I know that's what you do as well. Yeah. And also Nikki never does the mini pot of hummus. It's usually like a, like a full face plate of it, which I love. Yeah. So well, that's yeah, what I'm asking. Exactly, exactly. Um, oh, well, I just, I think the most important thing for hummus is actually getting good quality tahini. So that is my, that is my top tip. And, and, and if you're making your own, just be very um, patient and blend it for ages and then you can put all sorts of different flavors in there i mean i am not a purist on the hummus front and i will and i and i I very badly call things hummus when they're probably not um so but on for actual hummus with like the traditional recipe just really good quality um tahini and blend for a long time so it's really smooth and silky but then obviously i'll mix it up and add in loads of flavors as well so if we made you all angry, you're really welcome. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like a rise in like hummus, like online hoarders just going to like deliver, yeah. please. But that's, a, but that's such, so simple. I mean, I, you know, I haven't got, I've got, I've got simple taste really, you know, it's, it doesn't take too much to make me happy. Good quality olive oil, easy stuff. Nice. You know, I haven't really got a sweet tooth. So, you know, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I have one more question. Yeah. And I had to, again, I'm having to, it's the second time around, so I'm trying to make it creative, but I think I got it for you. I'm going to change it up again. Like, since it's the second time around, I would have a standard one, but I'm thinking, you know what, for Nick, I'm going to do something special. Yeah. So usually we ask our guests, um, who would they take to brunch and why? We don't even know if you remember your first choice. Oh, it hasn't changed. (laughs) I know, that's why. So I was thinking, actually, if you could have... Like, obviously, if you could have anyone to lunch, remind us again who would it be. And if you were to cook for them, what would you cook them? So we're going to actually ump it up a bit and see what would you cook for them and why. Well, I'm sure I said Russell Brand, did I not? Which I still, I will still maintain that. But also I would find it so unbelievably terrifying that maybe in reality I couldn't actually uh, be in the same room with him because it'd be too scary for me. Because I'd be so um, scared and um, nervous. Uh, but what? But if it was him or something, I don't know. What would I cook? I don't know. I think I'd have to. I just do as my eyes I always do. I just do loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of little things, and hopefully that's there's going to be you know at least a few things that they're going to think is really is really good. Um, yeah, big meze, you know. Or you, you can't go wrong because people people like a lot of food, don't they? So they're going to like something. Nikki, thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much for everything. And now, if people want to find out more about you about all the books about all the good things remind us again where they can go oh every well just rebel recipes everywhere everywhere so yes websites rebel recipes and then rebel recipes on instagram 
Oh, Pinterest, Facebook, all over. All over. Just, yeah, Rebel Whispers, that's it. They'll easily find it, I hope. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpactco. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group. <laughs>